Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to this week's play-by-play of the Hangtime Podcast. Joining us now, comedian Chelsea Peretti, NBA All-Star Roy Hibbert. Roy is our nation's most treasured actor. He's got chops, he's got talent, and he also has free tickets to Lakers. <laughs> With your host, Elliot Anderson, stuffed it down behind his head. Seku Smith, Lang Whitaker, and Rick Fox. Our next guest should have been our first guest, Isaiah Thomas. How do you think you would play in today's NBA with the rules the way they are? Be honest. Uh, average forty. <laughs> we will win a lot. <laughs> and it's, it's our main man, Roderick Turner from the Los Angeles Times. Hey, you, can I say this first? <laughs> you know you when can. When I started covering the Lakers, when Rick Fox played, I had hair. They wore me out. <laughs> now it's time for the this year's Kia MVP award winner, Russell Westbrook. It's been fun. You know, it's been amazing playing against this younger generation. I guess it's a wrap. 18 down, man. I see you when I see you. <laughs> That's an interesting way for Kobe Bryant to go out. His last All-Star game appearance. In Toronto at All-Star 2016, Sekou Smith from the Hangtime blog at NBA.com, my main man in AllBall.com, Guru Lang Whitaker. AllBall blog. That's right, AllBall blog. I'm still delirious from my trip home from Toronto. <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid to know what AllBall.com is. You know what I meant. Um, interesting weekend. Great weekend. Frozen weekend. But I, I'm ashamed to say that my, my trip to Toronto and my time in Toronto was way better than my trip home. Um, <laughs> I'm still trying to recover from an hour and a half flight that ended up lasting from uh, 6 p.m. Eastern to 4.30 a.m. the next day is when I officially hit the Atlanta city limits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was home by noon on Monday. Yeah, I, don't tell, I know. You guys that fly out at Cracker Dawn the morning after All-Star, make it fun tra- of me. I have a travel manifesto I published once at, in, in Another Life at mm-hmm. Slam Magazine. And rule number one is always take the first flight out. I know I'm just too lazy to get up that early the next morning. It's it's it, I agree. Like that's the worst part because I by the time the game was over, by the time I went back to my room and packed and everything, it was two in the morning. And then yeah. I had to wake up at six. Yeah. However, you know I'm noon, not morning people. I'm not either. But by noon I was sitting at home. So. Yeah. By the way, did you know? Uh, I just heard this today. Did you know that it was colder? <laughs> in Toronto Saturday than it was at the North Pole. <laughs> it was it was colder than a polar bear's toenails. <laughs> As Big Boy would say. Yeah, it was freezing up there. I didn't mind it though. I mean, I knew it was cold and the times we did walk outside it was killing us, but we we got a chance to go through the underground tunnels which are ingenious uh, by the way. I wouldn't say you didn't mind it. You made us stop at a Starbucks one time you were so cold. Well, that was the that was the night we walked over to the uh the high school game. And I, you know, I wasn't prepared. Like I didn't have layers on. I, I, I wised up as we stayed in Toronto for a few days. I went and bought some undershirts. 
yeah. layered up a little bit for the uh, the frozen tundra that is, or that was Toronto. And of course, now after the fact, they're talking about how it was like, obviously not regular cold. This was record cold. Yeah, I don't believe that because um, I, as I told I told you, someone one of the, uh, one of our sports writer friends said, "Hey, th- you know, this it's not always this cold in Toronto." People have been hitting me on Twitter too, saying it's not always this cold in Toronto, and I I get that it's not always this cold in Toronto, but it was that cold this weekend, <laughs> and they clearly are prepared for it. They had like this whole underground labyrinth set up in advance. They have a mall underground, hundreds yeah. of malls all connected. You can it's a whole world can, down there. Like I can yeah. live I can live in the underground world of Toronto. I, no problem. Like Disney World, where they, the people they have like a mall, like a whole city underground. That's yeah. what it felt like. Yeah. So I'm with it though. I'm, I'm, anyway, they're clearly prepared for this type of weather. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, still, even with the weather, tremendous soul clap for the city of Toronto and, and the way they put it on. I thought they did a great job. Um, great. You know, great time. we had some good food. Had a had great food thanks to uh, the real MVP, Amy Hudson. Um, shout out. To our friends at Facebook, and especially Amy, who uh, made it a great weekend with the Facebook Live we did on the podcast, which did some monster numbers, Lang. Um, yep. People still looking at him and commenting on him, calling us names, making fun of uh, T. Lou. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody, else, you know, but just a, a fantastic week. All-Star is, you know, we go from the road trip. And to me, this is how our season goes. The, we start out at this peak that, that is the road trip. I mean, you know, it's crazy and psychotic. And then we kind of build, slow build up to All-Star, which, again, it's just, you know, the energy is crazy. You know, watching Shaq and Yao Ming and Allen Iverson walk to the Hall of Fame press conference mm-hmm. in front of our set. I mean, you know, all the, all the little stuff we see there that, that makes it special. Um, then we come back from All-Star now. We're going to have this slow grind to the end of the season in the playoffs. And eventually the finals, which, based on everything I can tell, will part of them will be spent in the Bay Area again, um, which I won't complain about. But uh, I, I just love the, the dynamic of the, the of our season and the peaks and valleys and the, the energy you have to muster. Because it takes energy. Like, I was trying to explain to my wife yesterday how exhausting it is to run your mouth for two yeah. straight days on a set sitting there, you know, taping these interviews. And she's looking at me like, yeah, all right, you know. Well, the weird part is, like, there's, you know, we'll be sitting there, and there's, like, an hour and a half where we don't do anything. And you're just sitting there kind of – you and I are just sitting there talking, and people walk by and whatever. And then all of a sudden, Kevin Durant is there. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, all right, here's Kevin Durant. Okay, great. And then yeah. we have to fire up and talk to him. Um, also, you know, you mentioned seeing those guys going to the Hall of Fame press conference. You can't ever argue that Allen Iverson didn't keep it authentic at all times. Showed up wearing jeans and a T-shirt for that Hall of Fame press conference. Mr. 100 and and 36 gold chains. So I was like, do what you do. Yeah, do do your thing. Stay true to yourself. Um, My my lasting impression of a great weekend certainly was Saturday night, the the dunk contest, uh, you know, three-point shootout. All the the Saturday night stuff was fantastic, but the dunk contest, I kept laughing. I was telling somebody how many times we punched each other. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was trying. To, and you I had to write, so you. It was mostly me punching you, but it was like I was unbelievable. Trying to keep out of the way of Scott Howard Cooper trying to give me the flu. <laughs> but all of, all of the fifties, it was just it was off the hook. It was incredible. Yeah, I like, and but not just the dunk contest. I think Friday, Saturday night from start to finish was the best Saturday yes. night I've been to, and that was my fourteenth All Star weekend. Yes, because um, the skills challenge turned out to be great. The way it ended, and um, 
and then the the three point contest and I think a lot of people thought the three point contest was going to be the the highlight, you know, and they thought yeah. maybe we'd do the dunk contest in the middle, but um, now we got a rivalry. I would hope so. I would hope we got a ba- you know kind of a mini Jordan Dominique. Yeah, thing going with Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. Um, I say it was the second best dunk contest of all time, NBA dunk contest yeah, of all I time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And people keep asking me, like, you know, don't you think Aaron Gordon got robbed? And it's like, no. I mean, I, whoever won deserved it. Yeah. I felt like the the '88 Dominique Jordan is better. Only, and I went back and watched it the morning mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. But I feel like it was better only because those guys didn't have hoverboards and mascots and stuff. Like they were just dunking. <laughs> And they didn't have as much, um, as many like tricks and gimmicks. Right. Uh, I got love same... for the I got love for the uh, for the <laughs> hoverboard and the whole mascot yeah. thing. Though. It At was, the same it was time, good. that was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was amazing the the dunks he did. And uh, I I you know I I think if um, I think the Levine should have won. At the same time, I think if the best dunk of the contest was clearly Aaron Gordon over the the, the mascot. Yeah, the yoga dunk. Know, I call it first, the yoga dunk. I, I couldn't figure out how to describe it on uh, on dot com. I thought maybe you'd say he. I said yeah. I think I, think I said he went rear end first over the <laughs> the mascot, but uh, I feel like that that was the best dunk. By like, if anything, he should have got higher than a fifty for that dunk. Right. That right. dunk was probably worth a sixty or a seventy. Yeah. But all told, all around, uh, I, I you know you can argue Aaron Gordon should have won. Um, you, I think you can also make a pretty good argument that the right guy won the contest. There was no disappointment either way. Like I said, whoever won, I was going to say, hey, he deserved it. I just wish they could have cut the thing in half and gave them both a piece of the trophy because they, they put on a show. I think Aaron Gordon at the end of the day got plenty of uh, of shine. Yeah, yeah. He's, and, and it's – listen, somebody – I don't – you know, I'm not trying to do any marketing executive's <laughs> job, but somebody somewhere should have these dudes in a commercial right now prep, hyping it up for next year. Um, you know what I'm saying? Just keeping it, keeping the fires burning. Because I saw my man, the Canadian dunker, showed up the next day. Uh, yeah. And dunked in skinny jeans, which should have got him at least a 47. <laughs> that was incredible. You could <laughs> see, like, the guys on the bench were all immediately looking at the jeans, pointing yeah. at the, that the guy did that dunk, which was amazing, but he did it wearing jeans, which yeah. is unbelievable. Skinny jeans at that. Yeah. I was like, yo, he's yeah. – uh, where else can you get this stuff but All-Star Weekend? He's, yeah. And, and, and shout-out to the league – for you know as much as people put up pull gimmicks and try and do different things to me the nba has the toughest task of trying to reinvent in a uh, something that has you know that can't really change that dramatically so you have to rely on the contestants right you know to to come out with these otherworldly performances you got to rely on the players to show up sunday night and put up dang near 200 points for the west squad right you know what i mean like that you can't you can't guess what might happen if you're the NBA. You're just hoping for the best every year and trying to put on the best of impossible. But I say it every year. No no sport praises, honors, and relishes their former players the way the NBA does. From the Legends Breakfast right. to the Hall of Fame stuff to everything they do for the retired players, to me they do it as well as anybody. And uh, I appreciate how much you get done in the course of an NBA All-Star Weekend in terms of when we get there on Wednesday and get started and crank it up with interviews all the way through to the game on Sunday night and then flying out Monday, some of us much more wisely than others, of course. Um, <laughs> what happened to like five, five, ten years ago and everybody was like, the dunk contest is over. It was always members dead whenever there's yeah, a. Yeah. You're never going to see anything. All the good dunks have been done. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dominique, Dominique tweeted that the dunk contest was back yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, take I mean, I guess when you get a guy who can do whatever he wants from the free throw line, that that helps. Would say, that would invigorate things a little bit. I, you remember, I thought he was going to dunk from the three point line at one point. <laughs> no, you you didn't think it. You said it. You're like, hey, is he going to dunk from the three point line? Uh, I mean, he did. It seemed like he he could dunk from anywhere he wanted to. At, at that point, that was after those guys had posted all those fifties in a row, and I was like, at this point, I'll, I'll believe anything I see. Well, it's funny <laughs> that we we complained about Andrew Wiggins not being in the contest, and we didn't need him. Turns out we didn't need the hometown kid. I was, it was just better to have up. him on the sideline. He was, yeah, <laughs> he yeah. had some great reaction shots. He was took on like the role of the Matumbo that used, you know, Matumbo used to always be the the go to reaction right. shot guy. I think Wiggins might have taken on that role. Now. I don't know. The MVP had one of the best reactions after Levine's last dunk. You, you I don't know if you watched the clip, uh, but Steph Curry jumped off the bench and like handballed the after he dunked it and it went through. The ball bounced right in front of the bench. Steph Curry ran out, handballed it to the other end of the floor. Like, <laughs> I can't believe it. That, to me, was fantastic. And, uh, again, you know, shouts to everybody involved in All-Star Weekend for everything that went on on and off the court around town. And uh, looking forward to next year in Charlotte. Michael Jordan was on hand to remind everybody that the GOAT will be the host next year. So it should get interesting um, when the festivities move to Steph Curry's hometown. Holler at us, MJ. We're ready. Yeah, whenever you need us, Mike. Um, whenever you need us. So back back to the grind here, Lang. Trade deadline coming up. Crazy season in full effect. We've hey, already one, had a deal. Can I say one more thing before we move on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what's up? At some point when, when we locate Rick Fox, we need to have a, a debrief on the celebrity game. Cause I, was I didn't want to bring it up. I didn't want to bring it up. Play. If you look at the box score, Rick had a good line. I think he finished like th- two of three or three of four. He blocked a shot at the dude from Avatar. He had a couple of good plays, but we, at some point we got to we got to deep dive into that game. Mm-hmm. Once we have him, all I know is somebody asked me at the airport when I was leaving, <laughs> "Is is something wrong with Rick?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" They're like, "Man, he looked horrible." Something is wrong. They were like, "Man, he looked he looked overweight and his hair was messed." Up. I was like, "No, the, the haircut was on purpose." <laughs> he does have an injury. He was but he, yeah. And he he said later that he probably shouldn't have played. So right, I know he, he told us he busted his his, leg, his knee on a snowmobile. Yeah, um, shooting fox we, after dark. I think dark, he so. heard it getting off the snowmobile. To be to be honest, <laughs> but but that that was what I heard. But uh, yeah, he he I think he actually tweeted something about he's going to have to have his knee drained. Nice. Um, but he played hurt. I give him credit. Yeah, yeah. Well, the father time is beating up on Kobe. He knocked Rick out. Because did Rick, didn't Rick like he got scored on a couple of times by people that he's not allowed to score on him, right? He knocked Rick out and gave him a bad haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I um, mean, I don't know. I the, it takes some guts to get out there, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I no, I'm not hating on Rick uh, about competing in the. It's in team that one. Game. That's all that matters. Team Canada, baby. I mean, it was guaranteed once Kevin Hart took off the coaching <laughs> jacket and went out there and played. I was like, God, oh, that's a wrap for the U.S. Also, you know what, Kevin Hart, I, I think some of the blame should land to his feet for uh, for the performance of Team USA because Jason Dacus was red hot in the first half, and then he wasn't out there much in the second half. Yeah, because Kevin Hart went Kobe and started shooting all the you know, like he wanted all the shots. Yeah. I, I talked to Teron Liu at halftime. He was at the game, and mm. he played against Sudeikis in high school and uh, gave me a scouting report. He remembered playing <laughs> against him and everything. <laughs> and he's a Kansas City native, so uh, – you know how it is, you know T. Lou. He's, I'm sure Jason Sudeikis is on his list of the top cats from Kansas City, right behind Barbecue and uh, <laughs> T. Lou and you Michael know Lee. Mike Lee. <laughs> uh, 
Um, you know, and then maybe Jay Sudeikis. So, uh, trade deadline, like I mentioned, coming up Thursday, going to be wild and crazy. I know you'll be in Brooklyn. Yep. I'll be on the set with uh, the Dean of Discipline, Stu Jackson, Matt Weiner, and our boy, Mr. Hall of Fame himself, David Aldridge, um, breaking down the action live. Uh, I, last year we had, what, like 38 players whose rights changed hands in like an hour? Yeah, that doesn't include draft picks. Right, so I mean, I'm not expecting another free-for-all like that, yeah. but are you are you anticipating anything in particular, Lang, heading into the deadline? <laughs> I'm going to be in Brooklyn. I don't think they even have a GM, so I don't <laughs> – might have Sean Marks. <laughs> I don't know. They're, right now, I don't think they have one. So I don't. I, I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah. Um, I'm. I mean, I'm wondering what they'll do everywhere. And uh, I thought. I thought there might be less movement this year, but just because of the the way the salary cap is gonna right. jump up this summer, and I, I don't know. I just felt like maybe this was a year that it would kind of be a down year. Right. And, but then um, we're not even at the deadline. There's already been a couple of big trades this week. So maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Well. Uh, our guest this week on the Hang Time Podcast knows all about the craziness that is the NBA season, the trade deadline, and everything else. Fred McLeod is executive producer of multimedia and a television play-by-play announcer for the Cleveland Cavaliers joining us here. Fred, thank you for joining us, man. It's been a long time. We've been trying to track you down. Um, I, I we needed some trade secrets, but, you know, um, you're a busy man, as we know. Thanks for joining us, though, first and foremost. Hey, thanks for ha- – I-, I love what you guys do because I'm an NBA junkie just like you guys are, and so it's uh, almost like you can't get enough. So <laughs> keep up the great work. Appreciate it. Listen, the the chatter about the Cavs making a move and everybody saying that, you know, something's going to change or maybe not love, you know, love is on the block, this, that, and the other. Has all that kind of died down now? Are we not worried about the Cavs doing anything to their roster? I, I, you know, I, I think. Listen, they invested so much, as you know, in, in this roster in the off season with, uh, you know, getting Kevin long term, obviously, and Iman Shumpert, and uh, the list goes on. So they know they've got talent uh, to, if if not win a championship, you know, challenge for it right now, and, and that's the goal to win a championship. So, but they're always looking to get better. So if yeah. they can get another, uh, you know, wing defender who can. Knock down a three that's available. Maybe, you know that, that's a possibility, but they're not going to disrupt things just to uh, just to make a move, just to make a move. So, because right. again, you're talking about the big three that's barely been together for for 82 games, mm-hmm. just because of injuries, etc. So, uh, this this thing is still growing. In fact, specifically, those guys, Kevin and Kyrie and LeBron, have played together 85 games. So that's barely more than wow. a season. So uh, and and oh by the way they're fifty three and nine and it's, so, <laughs> it's just it's amazing because the Warriors are having such an incredible season that it skews everything else and, and you know I mean you got OKC the Cavs uh, Spurs all you know on, on target to win sixty plus and it pales in comparison with what's happening in, in the Bay so um, you know you just got to hope in postseason when things slow down a, a slight slower pace that uh, maybe it's a, a different way to slow those guys down. Fred, hey, Lang Whitaker here. Uh, we we had a chance to talk to Teron Liu um, at, uh, in Toronto over the weekend. We we joked he put the Teron in Toronto. Yeah, um, exactly. That's how I, <laughs> seriously, that's uh, when I when he was playing. That's yeah. how I, I'm a name freak, so that's how I, I always remembered how to pronounce <laughs> his name. Not Tyron, but Teron. Right. Yeah, funny. Uh, we had a chance to catch up with him a little bit over the weekend and um, talk about how his transition has been. Um, What's it from from your perspective um, on the sideline? Uh, how do you think the team has adjusted to to having now Coach Lou in in you the know, big chair? Very good. 
they, they I think they see the game the way he does. Uh, he, he's talked since he moved over to that one chair that he was going to. Uh, right. We were going to try to play better, not 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 different. And I know initially people thought, well, it was, a, it was a shot of David Blatt. It wasn't at all. Just wanted to play, do things better. And, and part mm-hmm. of that doing better was increasing pace because LeBron and Kyrie, as we know, are as as good as you get in the NBA in the open floor. So you got to take advantage of of those skills. And then Tristan Thompson and Mozgov, as big as he is, loves to run. So uh, it's just a, a mindset, and, and you don't do it in a couple of weeks. It takes many times a full season. So look at Washington. They had to try to totally change the way they played, and, and it's been a work in progress. So And they were able to do it since they went to training camp. So, you know, they see the benefits to it. It's just uh, that mindset and doing it and then not letting the defense lag behind. And I think they've spent a lot of time reinforcing the, the quicker pace and early offense, and as a result, because of lack of practice time, have not been able to spend a lot of time on the defensive end, but they, they know they've got to get back to that if they're going to contend for a championship. Mm-hmm. Fred, how much of the the whole David Blass situation wore on this team for a few games, if at all, um, with just the way it went down and all the finger pointing from outside of Cleveland about whose responsibility it was or who was at fault and how unfair it was. Did they get over that quickly, or are they still processing all that? No, I think they got over quickly because mm-hmm. that's, that's pure folly. That, right. uh, the LeBron James, listen, the guy wants to be coached, and I, and I think that was part of it. Uh, with all due respect to Coach Blatt, who I, I enjoyed working with, you know, you got to hold guys accountable. And you know, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in film sessions to know the accountability meter. But I know that's one of the things that Ty has talked about. If you can't coach your best player and call him out in, in film sessions when mistakes are made, then then you can't coach the rest of the group. So, um, you know, they know that it was not one player or two or five or ten who said. We, you know, we want a coaching change, or we want to keep Coach Blatt. That that was never hinted. This this is David. This is a David Griffin's decision, and and he made the best decision he knew how, based on the chemistry that was going on. And um, you know, I'm sure he talked to players, but not specifically about it. But just observing, he's he's constantly around the ball club, mm-hmm. home and road. And so, um, look, when you're going for a championship, it'd be easy just to uh, stay put, but. He made a pretty uh, gutsy decision to make the change when he did, and uh, let's see what happens. Fred, I know a lot has been um, said and, and made of Kevin Love and his fit there. Um, and I know since uh, Coach Lou took over, he's, I guess you could say, he's, he's starting to use him differently or try to find yeah. different ways to use him. What? How do you see that kind of fit working out long term? Do you think with with the new regime there in Cleveland – I guess it's not even a new regime. It's just one one different coach. <laughs> but with 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 Teron Lue as the head coach now, how do you think Kevin Love plays differently, or or do they use him differently uh, under Coach Lou? I think the aim is to get him, you know, more touches, especially at the elbow, where he's such a mm-hmm. very good passer uh, and a willing passer. Um, and again, that's just everybody wants it now in in this world of microwave. Uh, right effects and, and results and it, it just doesn't happen and I know some fans don't want to hear that but that's, that is that is the case and so um, look I, I did a little personal research about a year and a half ago um, the big three in Miami all their numbers went down shots per game, 
free throws per game, uh, points per game, in terms of sacrificing <clears throat> for, for the common good, and, and we all right. know what happened with two championships. So you can't compare Kevin's numbers to to Minnesota and say, well, he's not as effective. Well, he's not as getting as many shots and and not quite as many touches. So, right. But but I do think to your question, the tie definitely wants to use him at different spots on the floor. Maybe the Lamarcus Aldridge area, where right off the elbow, where he hits that 18 foot mm-hmm. jump shot, and and again he's such a willing passer, and try to get him on the move into the post as opposed to setting him up and then you know throwing it to him and asking him to pound pound pound. So, right. Um, and, and we've seen some definite instances where you know Kevin's been able to make the catch on the move and then quickly go to work. It's it's interesting. Fred McLeod joining us here on the Hang Time podcast. Um, we talk about Kevin Love, and we we've, we've talked about him constantly on the podcast here the last few years, Fred. Um, you know, admiring his work when he was in Minnesota, putting up unbelievable numbers, but on a team that was going nowhere, basically. Shouldn't we all have expected that his numbers would suffer, his individual numbers would suffer when he comes into a situation like this? I don't think this makes him any different player to me, the fact that he's not averaging 23 and 14 anymore. I mean, somebody had to sacrifice some of their game in order for this thing to work, and I don't have a problem with Kevin Love doing that. Well, look look at his shot attempts. Last year in Minnesota, I think, was Mm 18.5. Now he's almost 12.5, a a little bit more. So almost six shots a game less. So even if you shoot 50%, there's six, seven points a game that he's not going to get that he got in Minnesota. So And, and you know, t- more touches because he was the guy. And, mm-hmm. and oh, by the way, they struggled to win games. So uh, I, I still think he's a very good fit with the Cavs just because of his ability to stretch the floor. You've got a game plan for him. Every single coach that walks into the queue talks about the same thing about his multi-dimensional skills and so but it's a work in progress in terms you guys know yeah. it's it's split second timing and that's why golden state is so doggone good huh. and san antonio because they know each other so well and then that that laser sharp pass is right there on time on target as we say as opposed to maybe a second later when the defender can get there and that's that's really you know looking at a game through with a fine tooth comb but but that's that's part of it. And so the Cavs are trying to, um, you know, gain that on the fly, and uh, it, it will continue to improve. Speaking of timing, it, it, you know, in the mix, in the midst of all this stuff with with uh, the coaching change, and um, Kyrie Irving came back from a pretty serious injury, yep. and has been trying to kind of get himself back in the mix there. Uh, and it sort of kind of got overlooked. It's just, you know, he's back and he's playing. And, and I think most people just see him back on the court and think he's healthy. How how has his transition been? And how is how close is he to being where he was before the injury? Well, over the last eight games now, he's 27 a night, shooting 56 wow. from the floor. <laughs> I'd say that's mid-range, bad. Mid-range, <laughs> 63% from the floor. And, and, you know, he talked about watching a lot more video lately of, uh, of Kobe, Isaiah Thomas, guys who, who like the mid-range shot. I know analytically it's not a, not a sexy shot, but mm. for him it's become almost a layup because defenses are going to back off. They know he wants to get to the rim, and, and he's still going to the rim. But now what I love, he's off that high pick and roll, he's going to get where he wants to get. And into that you know rhythm jumper, he is 63%. That's, that's pretty – in fact, if you go to NBA uh, stats uh, and, and – filter in at least three mid-range shots a game, he leads the league right now in, in wow. mid-range shooting, so overall. And so um, 
I think he's getting there, and it's more rhythm. The last part of his arsenal to come has been the three ball, and of late he's been knocking that shot down. So, uh, you know, physically he's been feeling good and, and got over those mental hurdles that, that he was going to be okay. And um, so he's playing by far his best basketball right now, and hopefully it will uh, continue to ascend as we head to, to the postseason. Wrapping up here on the Hangtime Podcast with Fred McLeod of the Cleveland Cavaliers, play-by-play announcer. Listen, let's let's just cut through all the mess. Last year, we were in Cleveland for the finals, Fred, and Lang and John Schumann and I discovered a small little <laughs> Vietnamese spot around the corner from our hotel where we ate all the time. But we didn't get out in about and – and I interned in Cleveland years ago when oh, I was in college. So Cleveland is an underrated foodie town. Oh. And since we're going to be in the finals probably again with a rematch, I'm just going ahead and throwing it out there now. Where do we need to go to get a get our preeminent meal during the finals next year in Cleveland? Give us give us a the Fred McLeod hotspot for a great meal in Cleveland. Well, see, Cleveland's famous for corned beef. I was in Detroit for many years. They're famous for their uh, Coney Islands. Mm-hmm. In, in Cleveland, it's uh, you know you got to do Reubens or, or corned beef. So there's a place called Joe's. There's also a place called Slimans, which is probably the famous spot in Cleveland. So. Mm-hmm. But Michael Simon has done wonders for our town yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, bringing notoriety to Cleveland. You're exactly right. There's a lot of pride, in, as are in, in, in every big city. Like yeah. But, but uh, I, I think uh, Clevelanders have, you know, found another element of the uh, local society to hang their hat on to be proud of. And, and uh, restaurant tours are definitely a part of it. There's an area called Tremont that has a, mm-hmm. a section of uh, Cleveland, probably, uh, you know, five-minute cab ride that mm. loads of uh, old style uh, cool restaurants so there are no and especially that time of the year it's it's, it's beautiful yeah, and, and yeah. the one thing that people don't get a chance to do that come to cleveland in the wintertime is go on the lake the lakefront is, is absolutely yeah. fantastic it's, it's like milwaukee where yeah. there's so much going on with uh, with the waterfront or chicago and um, so you'll be coming at a good time of year, hopefully. And it's not assuming we're going to get out of the East, but uh, I if am. that does transpire. I am, Fred. And, you know, I'm trying to make up for all those years during my internship when I was eating at Hot Sauce Williams because that's all <laughs> I could afford. So I'm trying to go. I'm trying to step my game up a little bit. I should yeah, also, you, per diem's I, a little bit better now, right? I should confess that, you know, we went to, to, to the great Fo Thang Cafe uh, during the NBA Finals. However... I was in Cleveland during the first round against the Celtics by myself, and since I didn't have YouTube knuckleheads with me, I went to Lola, Michael Simon's restaurant downtown, and sat by myself at nice. the bar and had one of the best meals I've ever had. So that's yeah, what friends it, are for, Fred. You see that? That's that's what you do with you. Yeah, he got out a little bit. Yeah, East Fourth <laughs> is a great warehouse district. You know, Cleveland has really done a terrific job of it. As as all of these cities like Milwaukee and Detroit, as I mentioned. It, What's going on in Detroit right now is fantastic in terms of uh, urban turnaround. So it's it's really right. uh, it's great to see. No all doubt, these cities have around the NBA have a, a lot to offer, and uh, it's it's fun for us to kind of find those little uh, niches and you know little nooks and crannies that you don't normally get a chance to go to, and then you put them in your phone like I do, and <laughs> so you remember next year what you ordered and exactly. where to go and get back. That's awesome. Fred McLeod joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast. We appreciate you taking the time out, man. We'll be listening, watching, and everything else down the stretch of this season, and we'll see you in the finals. Yeah, I'd love to talk, chat with you guys again. Thanks. All right, Fred. Thank you, man. Fred. Take care. That's, uh, Lang, you know what's funny about uh, – I've told you the stories before that when I when I interned in Cleveland way back, way back when I was a young pup, um, Jamel Hill of ESPN fame and I were uh, – interns together that summer and let's just say our nutritional uh choices were not on of of the highest caliber um 
we ate a lot of junk. The interns, all of us, we go out and eat dinner together. Right. And we, the flats were cranked up back then in mm-hmm. Cleveland. And uh, I believe that was the start of my uh, post-freshman 15, plus 15, plus 15, and about 30 other 15s. <laughs> um, but it all started on that internship in Cleveland because the food was just outrageous. I mean, a great underrated food town. Um Cleveland, Ohio, and, I, and we will still be hitting the faux thing um, when we get back up to Schumann. Schumann is like, I, I get a text from him all the time. Or he'll just, he'll, I guess it just hits him. He'll be like standing there and talking about bomb me sandwiches. So. <laughs> I told you, I got there before you guys, and I and <laughs> I yelped the neighborhood. We were in, and that was like one of the best reviewed ones. I went over there by myself that first day and got yeah. one to go. And then I think we ate lunch there every day. Every we day. We need to get a T-shirt next time from our guy. Yes, yeah. He, he. I think he appreciated business. We, because we were telling other people to go over there. Like, well, yeah, man, yeah. there's a great spot around the corner. Now they're on the podcast. Maybe we can have them on the <laughs> podcast during the finals. <laughs> Excellent. Speaking of Cleveland, we did uh, spend a little time with one Tehran, who puts the Tehran in Toronto. Lou, head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, while we were there on the set of the Hangtime Podcast live on Facebook, Facebook Live in Toronto during All Star Weekend. Sekou Smith and Lang Whitaker here on the Hangtime Podcast in Toronto with Tehran <laughs> Lou, as in Toronto. He put the Tehran in Toronto. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Last time we saw you, things were a little different. You know, <laughs> past few weeks have, I'm assuming, been a whirlwind just with the change, you becoming the head coach of that team and all the extraness that comes with it. Yeah, it's been a lot. You know, the last three weeks, the last 11 games, it's felt like 60 games. <laughs> but, you know, the guys have been very supportive of me. You know, um, so it's been easy to try to, you know, implement what I'm trying to implement. It's been tough because we haven't had a lot of practice time and a lot of time to put it in. But they've been very supportive, so it's, it's, it's made it a lot easier. Yeah. You've played, obviously, for a lot of great coaches. Now that you're a head coach for the first time, which one coach do you find yourself – Thinking back to most often. Oh, Doc. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, Doc. Everything I do is Doc Rivers driven. So um, Doc's taught me everything I've learned. You know, even though I've t- picked up and taken a lot of things from a lot of coaches over yeah. my years, but just being with Doc for five years was, the, you know, the best five years I could ever get as far as experience-wise for being a coach. So much comes with coaching a LeBron James, you know, driven team because for better or for worse, he gets a lot of the heat, a lot of the credit and a lot of the heat, you know, <laughs> on whatever team he's on. But. How do you manage that dynamic between him and his teammates that might not understand what that entails, you know what I'm saying, being on the team with a superstar player like that? Well, with LeBron, it's easy because, you know, one thing about LeBron, he'll try anything once, and if <laughs> you know if he likes it, he's going to go with it. If not, then he'll tell you about it. But right. he makes the process a lot, you know, a lot easier than people think because he's, he's a willing passer, he's very unselfish, and he's all about winning. So that makes it a lot easier when it's not about just you. So, um, you know, with him being who he is, it makes it a lot easier. I talked to Doc right after you got the job and he said he told a story about when he was in Orlando he said he knew his time was on the clock (laughs) and he said you came to him and were like hey at some point I might want to go do something like this and and go into coaching and he said give me a call no that's not what happened (laughs) he told me in 2003 he said when you're done playing you can come and close for me and I was like no that's never gonna happen and then in 2009, when I was done playing, I gave him a call, and then the next day he had a job for me. So yeah. he was a man of his word. Well, he did say that when you called, he went to Danny Ainge, and he was like, "We don't really have a job." Right. He just like, made something up. <laughs> yeah. He made something up. So that you know, I'm I'm thankful for that. Yeah. When, did, when did you switch? Like, I mean, I, I was in the locker room with you all the time when you played in Atlanta. 
when did you switch from not wanting to necessarily go into coaching afterwards to thinking that would be your avenue? Um, my last season when I didn't have anything else to do. And I said, <laughs> I said what am I going to do now? So then I thought about Doc, and um, I gave Doc a call. And like you said, he was a man of his word. He made up a position for me, and, I, you know, look at me now. So all praise to Doc. How much did you hear from former teammates? I heard you say, I think, on one interview that you had 700-plus text messages and just, <laughs> like, how crazy was the first 24 hours of that? I mean, it was very crazy. And I had, like, 730-some text messages or something like that. And it took me, like, probably six, seven days to finally get through all of it and, you know, kind of hit everybody back because you don't want to leave anyone hanging. I appreciate you know, that. So, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. So it, it was tough, but um, – it was a lot of support, so I'm, you know, I'm thankful for that. So it, it, was, it was a great feeling. Yeah, it's, it's strange, too. Like, we laugh about we, – we laughed for Jerry Stackhouse yesterday about we've covered guys' careers from the time they came in to the time they lead the league and go into whatever else is next. You played with Kobe. This right. is his last All-Star. You're a coach now. <laughs> you got you, you game plan in front of him? Yeah, I know, right? He, uh, we talked about that when I saw him when we played him the other day. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, just – you know, a lot of players, you know, you're always being compared to a lot. Of, a lot of the great players always being compared to a lot of great players. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for Kobe to always stay on top was just unbelievable. You know, he's compared to the Vince Carters. He's, you know, he withstood that. Yeah. Tracy McGrady's. And, you know, it was just always able to stay at the top. And, you know, to do that for so long, I'm just so happy and proud that he's able to enjoy the game his last year and just open up to people so people can really see the real Kobe and his personality and, and how much he's put, you know, forth towards his game. So I'm just happy for Kobe. Yeah. This – of course, this is uh, your first All-Star game as a head coach. Might not be your last. You never know. Might be too. <laughs> <laughs> but you got anything up the sleeve? To, you know, just to throw a wrinkle into the All-Star. Well, game talking to press. Jim Boylan and, and um, Larry Drew, I, just, I want to kind of take a step back. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe draw the first play up, but then just kind of let them just do their thing, so I can just kind of have some downtime since right. it's all happened. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't had any chance to like just sit back. And, I like yeah. it though that your downtime is during the game. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it makes it a lot easier for me. So when you do the hierarchy of All-Star games. Jerron Lou, uh, Michael Jordan, who else is big on in All-Star lore? I mean, it's got to be you first, then who else? Definitely me. Uh, <laughs> you know, back in Atlanta, you know, it's always our joke. You know, me. Then I would say, since we're in Toronto, I would say healthcare. And then, you know, Steph and LeBron, you know, tight third or whatever. Right, I don't right. Know, but no yeah, doubt. Somewhere, that. just yeah, somewhere. Somewhere after somewhere, that. Yeah. After you, Drake, maybe somewhere. Yeah, it doesn't, Drake, really, it yeah. doesn't really matter. Mm, this weekend. <laughs> Drake's, yeah, Drake's fourth or fifth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Teron Lou on the Hangtime Podcast. Yes, Good sir. to see you as always, Thank you. man. Appreciate certainly it. in this Congrats, role. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Great as always chatting with the hilarious Teron Lou Lang. He, uh, he hasn't lost any of his touch in terms of – you can see why he's so good in the locker room yeah. and so good with, with his team. Um, he's going – you know, he knows how to just – cut through the mess and deal with you straight up. And I think that's one of the things I always appreciate appreciated about him as a player and now as a head coach in this league, which obviously should make us both feel really old. The you know, guys well, we cover are coaches now. You covered, you, he was on one of the teams you were a beat writer for, right? With yes. the Hawks. So mm -hmm. you were around him every day for, for whatever, yeah. two years, a year. No, um, it was like four years. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't really know him. I, I've met him just kind of here and there. Uh -huh. you know, in locker rooms and I was kind of around some of those Hawks teams, but not like you were. And right. I don't really know him. 
but you can just tell, like even on the pod, on that little interview we just heard, from the way he interacts with me, <laughs> he's good at just making people feel comfortable, that, yes. even if he doesn't know them. Yeah, uh, I think that probably goes a long way in the locker room too. Yeah. Um, you know, like from one through fifteen, he 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 can connect to those guys. Yeah, it's, it's you know some guys have that touch and some guys don't, and um, good luck to Teron Lou, you know, in Cleveland and in the future in his coaching career. Appreciate him as always taking a little time with us uh, here on the Hangtime Podcast. One other thing we haven't mentioned, and I'm assuming the champ is still sitting in his seat after All-Star Weekend. I didn't have to score any 50s. I didn't need to, I didn't need to pull out my best dunk. But bragging rights better have me on top. It's time for bragging rights as the guys put their rep on the line. All right, Shorty, give it to me straight. Am I still in the top spot? <laughs> Yes, yeah. Smith is yes, leading by only one game. Yes, over sir. Lang Whitaker. I'm about to jump over you with my rear end first, <laughs> like Aaron Gordon did. Please, no. He's We're coming. No. He's coming. We're going to call you stuff from you're gonna, now on. You're going to downward dog me like uh, Aaron Gordon did stuff. <laughs> I'm going to make your hoverboard blow up. You gotta watch out. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch it. Uh, what was everybody's record from pre-All-Star? What would we do that so last right week right now, Sekou is in the lead. He has 18 wins and yeah. 12 losses. Yeah. Lang is only a game behind, 17 and 13. Here I come. And The Rick, Uh-oh. 13 and 17. <laughs> right, he's the Lakers. <laughs> I got to find a coin. He's straight, he's straight Lakers. Actually, I think he's won more than the Lakers, right? Oh, you might be he's, right. He's definitely won more than his eSports team. <laughs> <laughs> It's great. Echo Fox is belly <laughs> crawling on the, the floor right now. <laughs> the Lakers of the esports. <laughs> uh, right. I got a coin for Rick's picks. All right, let's so. hit it. What are our games this week? All right, here we go. Thursday night. We're going to get back into it. Spurs at Clippers. Ooh. Spurs at Clippers. No hesitation. Just right into it. I'm going with the uh, Spurs. I think I am also. Um, let's see who Rick picks. Uh, heads, so that'd be the Clippers. <laughs> That's uh, great work, Rick. Way to go. Friday night, the Toronto Raptors visit the United Center mm. at Chicago. That's desperation time for the Bulls, by the way. They, they got to have it, but I'm going with the Raptors. Road team gets it done. Rick also picked the Toronto Raptors. Oh, no. I'm going to pick the Raptors, too. I feel like that's a, that's a game they should win, and they probably will win. All right. And then uh, Saturday night, another yep. big one, Golden State at the Clippers. So the Clippers are having a big week. Big week yeah. for the Clippers, bad week for the Clippers. It's a bad week to be a big week. Yes, <laughs> because they're getting popped. I'm, I'm uh, going with Golden State. I am, too. Let's hope Rick doesn't. Crap. <laughs> Rick, Rick picked Golden State, too. Damn it! So much. For- Andrew just took the Lakers or the Clippers. Well, we already told Andrew he no more. He's got a Super Bowl. What more does he, he want? Does, I know he and Jarrell. Yeah, done with these cats. Um, big ups to Fred McLeod, Cleveland Claveniers play-by-play announcer, joining us here on the Hangtime Podcast this week. Shout out to Tyron Lou, not Tyrone, Tyron Lou. Um, catching up with him at All Star Weekend in Toronto. Lang, I'm gonna go warm up. Rest up, get hyped up for uh, the trade deadline here tomorrow on NBA TV and NBA.com. Check it out. Hangtime blog. John Schumann will be manning the controls all day long, updating everything. Um, Lang and Steve Ashburner, Fran Blimberry, and everybody will be. Blindberry. Blindberry, I'm sorry, will be 
<laughs> cast of millions all over the place. I'll um, see you from uh, from the new practice facility in Brooklyn. That's I right. G- I might be their GM by then. So we'll see. <laughs> Maybe Rick will get the job. That would be great. <laughs> we'll see you next time right here on the Hang Time Podcast. Later. Thanks for listening to the Hang Time Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. And be sure to check out the Hang Time blog on NBA.com. And as always, say Kuna Matata.